Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this homecoming weekend, Tennessee host UAB. We'll talk plenty about that matchup, talk a little recruiting, and talk about the Tennessee basketball team, which uh, unveiled themselves to the fans in exhibition play earlier this week. So plenty to get to. Brent Hubs, along with Jesse Simonton, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis. Hope everybody is uh, having a had a great Halloween and has themselves a, a great weekend. Let's talk a little bit about um, this matchup um, on Saturday, what Tennessee's kind of getting into with UAB. We'll start first uh, with Tennessee and, and Jeremy Pruitt's decision at the quarterback position. Rob, Jeremy Pruitt says everybody's cleared medically, good to go. You've seen, you know, uh, Jared handle the ball. You've seen Brian Maurer. You've seen JT Shroud. What are your thoughts on the direction they're going there? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be surprised if Jared plays other than like an emergency emergency situation, non-throwing hand, but I mean, we all saw him like hand on the ball, you know, handing off. It just seems like he's very conscious of it, you know, very, yeah, I think the handoffs are, are more of a concern than, you know, getting a snap, a snap or, or anything else. I mean, just, you know, somebody hits that thing the wrong way, you get a screw <laughs> inside your hand. I don't think it's ideal. I mean, I, I think now it, it now that my Maurer has been cleared and, and seems good to go, I, I think it's his game. and I. If it goes the way you would hope it would go against UAB, I'd be surprised if JT Stroud doesn't play. But I think Brian Maurer goes, you know, is the guy. After seeing Jared on Wednesday, are you less optimistic about his effectiveness than you were seeing him on Tuesday, Austin? I don't think I'm less optimistic. I would just venture to say that, you know, I think a week from now, it give, you'd probably feel a little better about where he's at than, than you are right now. I mean, you know, I thought Rob's analogy of Luke Skywalker is probably <laughs> – you know, a, a really good one. I mean, like, you know, I could he play? Sure, but I mean, what's the point? Like, if you if you if you feel good enough about what J.T. Shroud got done last week, obviously he played really solid football. You know, hit hit the home run ball. They put him in a position to be successful, and he he was successful. If you feel good about where Brian Mauer's at, um, then then why even? you know, put two out there this week. It makes no sense to me to play him at all unless you just are just so stale on offense and need a spark. And what a turn of events that would be to, to go to him to get the spark. Yeah, well, that's happened, I mean, it happened last week, yeah. I guess. Well, it wasn't really a spark, but he ended up having his best game last week. I thought it was interesting, Jesse, J.T. Shrout takes the bulk of, by definition, the bulk of the first team reps on Wednesday. What do you make of that? They're continuing to kind of expedite his progress that I think of, of the three, he's clearly the guy that needs the most work, that needs the most coaching, that needs the most reps, that needs the most just maybe time with Jawan Jennings and Josh Palmer and Mark West Calloway. Uh, so even though Brian Maurer in a vacuum is still inexperienced compared to other quarterbacks in, in this conference, he has gotten more of those reps previously than Shroud. I'm still taking the over in this thing on over two and a half, you know, guys taking snaps. So, I mean, you, you, you know Juwan's going to get some snaps, Mauer's going to get some snaps, and it would not surprise me at all if, if Shroud gets a series or two. And do you think there was any, any element of on Saturday from Jim Chaney and, and others looking at JT Shroud going, holy crap, that kid can play? And maybe that's maybe that's maybe you know, he, su he surprised some of his own coaches. I, I, yeah, I do. I think he, maybe not specifically Chris Winkie or, or 
maybe not to that to that degree, Jim Cheney. I know it surprised some people in the program. I don't think anybody was surprised by the deep ball he no, threw. No, 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 no. That's what he does. But there was a couple of times where he stepped up, climbed the pocket, and dumped the third, ball off, he made a third down throw in kind of a tight window on a crossing pattern that was on time and to a really Josh good Palmer, throw. That everybody to to me kind of says, okay, you know, he's. And, and I think that's one of the challenges, and I know people have given us grief on general scores, and that's fine, but I think it's one of the challenges that Jim Chaney and Jeremy Pruitt have dealt with because in the preseason and early in the year, Jared, by far and away, the best quarterback on the practice field, did not translate to the game field. Okay, Brian Maurer was wild horse rider on the practice field. Put him in a game against Georgia, and you go, wow, pretty good. J.T. Shrout doesn't manage the game very well on the practice field. Put him in a game, he manages it fine. It's been really hard to figure out what you're going to get on a game in a game compared to what you see on the practice well, field, and, in my opinion. And, of course, everybody's rebuttals, well, you got to see eight minutes of practice. But, you know, I had three people last week tell me it was a struggle for him with signals in, in practice. Like, you know, they have a signal that means, you know, the run's going to the right versus the run's going to the left. He kept me- mixing well, it up point. and messing it up. And, but, that, but those are that's things my like – total point. Is, I, I, is, I know. And, and the other thing is, don't you remember, Jeremy, how many times have we heard through 18 months of him on the job, or I guess almost two years now, has he talked about he's never seen a guy that, you know, couldn't do it on, could, on, the, do it on the practice field that could do it on the game field. Whereas, when, you know, we saw Josh Dobbs firsthand his first couple of years. Now he became better Might as be time Jake went on. still that would have played Josh Dobbs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but my point – to that. But, so, I mean, like, I guess I think a lot of that probably goes into the whole, wow, they're not, you know, not ready. Well, I, th- I think that's the hard part with them is because you're not sure exactly. You know, I think Jerome Carvin falls into that category, too. Here's a guy that didn't do it well enough on the practice field, Jesse, and then all of a sudden they put him in a game, and he's their most physical right guard, and it's kind of solidified that position for them. So the, the head scratcher is – why? I mean, why didn't you know that week one, week two? What what happened? Why why can't you figure that out? I hate to sound against Coach Pruitt's mentality or, or thought process. There are some guys that are better on game day than they are on the practice field. It's been that way for and years upon years upon I, years at I, all I, levels of ball. I think a guy like Darrell Middleton fits the same is is in that same camp. I I will say, and I said this on Monday, so I I, I do think it's worth doubling down though. I think the way they uh, kind of managed JT was extremely smart on Saturday. and Particularly in light of what Austin just talked yes, about with that uh, signal stuff. Good point. The, the, the fact okay. that they literally rotated him almost every other play, that it was kind of a call from the sidelines, go run into the huddle, all right, come back out, we'll tell you again on the side, watch a play, let Jawan just go run for four yards, and then we'll put you back. Now they didn't. Once they got comfortable, that they were like, "All right, he's gotten his feet wet." When 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 Jarrett went out, they they didn't do that anymore. They just let JT play quarterback. But it was a smart way for a kid that they clearly had some procedural concerns about, or operating the procedural stuff, uh, to kind of at least manage best they could and, and potentially limit those mistakes. All right, let me ask all of you this: What do you think Tennessee's got in Mowers' route? Because everybody wants to know, how, you know, what, what's the ceiling? How good can they be? I know we've seen a limited, limited sample size, and I don't mean what are they going to be two years from now, you know. But th- it's the same. It's I mean, it's a fan base that was, you know, trying to get Harrison Bailey here on some kind of waiver in October to come play. Now you've seen him. What do you think Tennessee's now, got? Now there? Harrison Bailey's more of a luxury, you know, than he is a necessity. I mean, I, I think you feel 
like you've at least got, you know, some potential there for the future. I mean, I, I, everybody's just kind of anointed Brian Maurer because he, you know, he's kind of got that swag to him and he's, you know, taking pictures holding the $100 bills and, and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I think they've just kind of got a, a, a solid group in there that, you know, now all three have kind of shown that given an opportunity, given the right circumstance, they could go win you a football game. Well, see, I think it's two different conversations. I would, I would not call Bailey just a luxury right now. I think he is still a necessity because what well, is happening every, right okay, now okay. is going to be very different than what this quarterback room, I think, is going to look like in January or February. And so right now, in my opinion, Tennessee and their fans feel like they have three guys who on a given Saturday, yeah, they may have some flaws, but on a given Saturday can win them a football game. Now, Shrouds, the sample size there is extremely, extremely small. But there's a very good chance that two of those three guys are whoever and, wins this derby between whoever plays the most, I think, in the next month between Shrout and Maurer, one of those kids is not gonna be here next in year. Reality, That's just the way it works. In, in, well, see I disagree. I think that Shrout's back for spring. I, was I think, say, I think Shrout would have been I think Shrout would have potentially been gone had he not been given an opportunity. I think that also plays into the Wednesday reps to you know, to continue to show him and expedite the process of him continuing to improve. You know, because there for a while, it was Maurer, JG, and JT was getting the threes, you know, there for a few weeks. When I say that he's not a necessity, in reality, a quarterback in every class is a necessity. But what I'm saying is, is before he was, you know, you felt like you had nothing in that room. And, and, and you know, you felt like he had, he, you had to hit a home run with him. You, to, to me now, it doesn't have to be a home run with him, being yeah, meaning I, starting as a true freshman right away. I think you see two two dudes that can play. I mean, who knows what they turn into if they get coached up. And I don't think that – I mean, with Maurer, I mean, I, I obviously have seen everything, you know, why people are excited about Maurer, but he's also – My point is if Harrison Bailey comes in and he's not ready to play right away, the sky's not falling. I'm, yeah, I agree. But I also think that, that – I'm not dislike. I mean, I, I think Maurer. I, I get why people are excited, but he's also thrown four interceptions and played. And that, I agree than, with you. Le, on you know, this. less than three whole games. Yeah, I agree with you on this. And he, he, hadn't, he hadn't finished a game. I think it's. I think it's interesting. Or I don't know what the word is, but it, it was a thought that in January. You're right, Jesse, in, in the fact that what it looks like next spring may be totally different. I, and it doesn't matter right now, right, frankly. I, I, I do think that there's a chance all these guys stay because they feel like they got a chance to win the job. Okay, Maybe not Jared. Okay, Maybe Jared moves on. But I think the two young guys, I think J.T. Shrout sits there, if he continues to play some down the stretch, and says, I could beat out Brian Maurer for a job. And the and la- and I think I'm, the last part is key, though. I think the last part is key, though. Continues to play some. If he, if he, if but you the, also just said you're taking the over and under on I am, three and I a half am, that they're going to play. I am, so I, I think am. we all agree they're going to play both of them. I am, but what? It, but if J, if JG comes back next week for Kentucky, if Matt, if Shrout doesn't see the field via those any of those SEC games, I think the calculus may change see, a little I, bit in his mind. I, I, but well, it, but there's not a huge advantage to him leaving in January. As that's opposed true. To he, staying and going through. That's spring true. Going through spring. So I'll give you. So perhaps we're talking but, about next fall. But. Are you going to have next fall, are you going to have J.G., Brian Maurer, J.T. Shrout, Harrison Bailey in that room? Chances of that happening? I'm not taking that bet. Seam Hill, baby. I mean, I'm not saying those four guys are going to be in the room come all. Seam Hill should be the linebacker. I think that's the point you're making, right? Yes. 
But I think, and the, I'm saying right now it doesn't matter for what how Tennessee wants to finish the season. That, if, that, I think the quarterback competition, and I didn't interrupt you. I think the quarterback competition in the spring is different though than what you thought it was going to be because those guys think they have a shot to win it and, and, and be the be the guy as opposed to what Austin's saying is that it's January 4th, Harrison Bailey arrived, here's the football, it's your football team. I don't Which think. is a perception a lot of fans thought no, was going to take place. That's definitely not. I agree, but that's, that, that was, was the that thought was, process, that was the thought a, process month a month ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to hear your all's take. If Jarrett does not break a bone and continues to play last Saturday night. He starts on Saturday. See, I agree with that. Totally. Oh, I, love, yeah. I, I think that he had kind of reemerged as, as the guy over Brian. Well, Brown. I mean, like it, when we talked about this on the Monday pot, it was clear that they probably wanted to start him last and weekend. Good, and honestly, a good coaching move. And they decided not to because of the, you know, the, 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 what happened at Alabama and all that. But the way they managed kind of those opening two drives with Jawan and JT and then really kind of opened things up when Jarrett went out there. And then let Jarrett just play quarterback, and he was playing well. So you weren't mm-hmm. going to take him out, but he's playing well. By the way, how fabulous uh, was the quarterback sneak call? I mean, you know, they could have easily lined up. Jim Cheney's got a sense of humor. I mean, <laughs> it was pretty phenomenal. <laughs> hey, I think, well, they ain't going to give it to Crouch. I, think, I mean, on that topic, I think one of the most telling comments that Jeremy Pruitt made this week was when he, he on on Monday when he was talking about the game. When he was talking about the throw that Juwan or Jared made to Juwan, he said, "That's the Jared Guarantano we've been seeing in practice all year long." I mean, I think that tells you. I mean, I, I think Jeremy has been just mystified by how Jared has played in games versus how he has played on the practice field. Which like has been the stuff. opposite of you know his whole you know you got to practice to play you know. Versus. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, I think Jared's not taking it from the practice field to the state. But I mean, he he said that all year, but he made a point. I mean, we're sitting here and. November now, or tomorrow's going to be November, and Jeremy made it a point to say, that's the Jarrett that we've been seeing all year long in practice. And I'll go back to a comment he made on SEC Nation when he decided to start Brian Maurer against Georgia and set JG. He never, he never, I mean, he just, he said, sometimes you, sometimes you just sit and watch a little bit. Watch a little bit, because you can't make a layup. Yeah. You can't make the easy play. Um, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago at Alabama, grabbed the face mask. Last week, the closing shot, if you will, was arm around JG. Kumbaya. Yeah, a little kumbaya deal, which... Um, and he's, and he's continuously never given up on it. Right. J- Jeremy's managed it well. What we don't know is really where JG is with everything mentally. Because, you know, he put on a good face in his post-game deal. You don't know where he's at. That was a all. Cheshire smile. Right? It, it Could was. Have also been heavily medicated at the yeah. practice here. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, so what happens moving forward next spring is a whole podcast for December, I guess. The next month, how they manage it is going to be pretty telling as well. Because are you, go, are you going to manage You can't manage it to keep everybody happy. you got to manage to win. So is it JG's job if he's healthy going into Kentucky? Or are you going to play him in the relief role that you've been playing him in? Are you basing that solely on what you get Saturday against UAB moving forward? It, yeah, I'm, I'll be very curious. Because what's funny is that, like, this whole rotating and how Jeremy originally, I think, started juggling the quarterbacks looked like it was going to be an unmitigated disaster at Florida. 
when they just when they I mean he just threw up his hands and was like all right well let's put in Maurer to start the drive and they they let they let a kid throw the ball you know whatever right. it was ten out of eleven fourteen plays uh, and or then something. they come back and yeah say, and hey, let's throw and Jared back and in and then they're like ah we don't like what that's going on there let's put Jared back in but since that game I think how they've managed that room uh, has been on point all right let's talk about this game specifically interesting challenge for the offense from the standpoint of how a quarterback manages the different looks UAB presents. And can this offensive line, which is going to be a makeshift line, it looks like, because Jesse, you and I talked about it uh, in the two-minute drill Wednesday. If how many game time decisions have been guys that that end up playing for Jer- for Jeremy Pruitt on Saturday? Most yeah, it's game a euphemism time for doubtful. Yeah, most game time or decisions out. are put on your street clothes. So if Jameer Johnson can't go, if Darnell Wright can't go. Marcus Tatum, Wanya Morris, the challenges this offensive line has with a UAB team that's going to be super aggressive and try to come from a bunch of different places. And how does the quarterback handle that? This is a real challenge for young quarterbacks because they like to mix stuff up and come from different places, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, you and I talked about this kind of just off air on, on Wednesday and kind of breaking down the matchup. There is a little bit of, of, of you know, paper champion with some of UAB's. They, 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 their stats are, are their stats, and, and they, 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 they rank top ten in a lot, number one in the country, and they're right above Georgia, number one for, for ten-plus yards play allowed. I mean, they, they, they limit explosive plays. They got 26 sacks, which is high. Two guys that have a combined 50 pressures, but they've beaten one team that's beaten an FBS team. And so, you know, they're beating up on some foes. But Bill Clark plays a sound defense, and that's why I think another reason, circle back to the quarterback, Rob, is going to be Brian Maurer and the RPO stuff that he that when he has had success, that's probably going to be Tennessee's avenue to protect an offensive line that may have Marcus Tatum playing a lot, uh, getting the ball out quick. That's what I've liked best about Maurer. Not, I mean, not necessarily just the RPO, but and he's not done it all the time, but just – I mean, before he got hurt at Alabama and early in the Mississippi State game, or aside from the two interceptions, just making quick, decisive throws. That, that, that to me, has been the biggest – and Jarrett was, was obviously much better last week, but that to me has been the biggest difference in the quarterback play is just – I mean, just getting it out of, out of your hand quick. And, and, and I think that will be key this week. I mean, you, you don't you – know, Tennessee has been good on the offensive line, but, you know, I do think would – the possibility of a lot of shuffling that that UAB can get after the quarterback this week. I, I think it's important for them to continue to try to establish the run because after last week's 351-yard performance, I think it's going to be real easy for Jim just to want to chuck it. I mean, because that's what he likes to do. So I think, you know, they've done a nice job of, of, of working the run in the last month. I, I think you've got to continue to see them, you know, work that you know, going forward, whether that be with, you know, with Tim Jordan or Ty or whoever, or Eric Gray. Um, to me, that they've got to be a, make a, concern, a, a, real, a real purposeful effort to, you know, try to run the football Saturday. Because I just think it's going to be real easy with the, with the big plays down the field last week to want to chunk a deep O-line. But, but, but I will say this, I, and I agree with that. I mean, that, that there has to be some semblance of balance. But balance doesn't necessarily have to be a – a play-by-play basis, and I thought one, and this will be in my ten things tonight. But one of the smartest things I thought Jeremy said this week, which it, it should be music to Tennessee fans' ears, but, but worrying that you have this defensive coach who may not, you may want to sit on the ball, or whatever, is that he basically said, you know, look at look at how hard it is just on a on a on for for most teams in the country to try to line it up and just march down the field. 
that the way you scored the football is chunk plays. And so you got it. He clearly was frustrated that they could not run the ball well enough uh, last weekend. So they're going to tr- clearly try to establish that. But I think you're going to continue to see these shot plays because that's the best. That's the best avenue they have with the receivers and, and kind of the unit that they have right now. Oh, I, I think you still take shots down the field. My point though is, is kind of like how they went with Mauer at Florida, where they just got real pass happy with him. Yeah, I think I when you, you throw yeah. it, you take shots. You just, I mean, you can't throw it every play. Right. Though, well, is my point. No, and I agree with you. And clearly, early in the year, Jim Cheney had no belief they could run the football. He he went into Florida thinking we got no shot to run the football. If they go back to and maybe they couldn't, but but everything was let's swing it out in the flat. Let that let that be extension of our run play. We're not going to line it up and run it right at Florida. And, and and that's why he called you know eleven out of fourteen passes with a quarterback getting his first run. It's, it's mind boggling if you go back to the second half at Georgia State. What they call six six design runs, and then they. I mean, you look, they run for 192 yards against Mississippi State. They, they you know, bang it off the goal line in the fourth quarter. They, get, they go to Alabama and run the ball decently, 130 yards. It's just, I mean, they've got a lot. I mean, to, to think about that second half against Georgia State, I mean, that, I, mean I think that this highlights your point there. I mean, Jim had, had just no faith whatsoever that they could run the football. And they've gotten better. I mean, I think everybody oh, would agree no, no they've doubt. clearly gotten better on the offensive line. Now, he's not playing with the offensive line that he believes he's, is going to be the most physical on Saturday, which gets back to, you know, you got to run it enough to keep them honest. I did think, Jesse, and I think you noted this in your review piece, Cheney's aggressiveness on second and long was, was, was interesting. And that's kind of become, we, you and I talked about this, I guess, leaving the stadium. That's kind of the new trend in football. Because for years, if it was second and eight, everybody's selling out for the run because you're trying to get third and manageable. Cheney took two big shots on second did, long and, for big plays. Yeah, and, and I mean, the analytic community will tell you these days that you don't have to actually be efficient to run the football for play-action passes to work. You just have to try to run the football every now and then. But you can gain a yard or two, and defenses still have to respect gaining a yard or two, and then the, you, you got you know, the, the shots on top. So they hit a huge play on second and nine. They took another big shot on second and nine that went incomplete. But, I mean, that's... That 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 was again. That was uh, I really liked what I saw from Jim, you know, and kind of because that's not something he's done a lot of this season. So for him to kind of recognize that, we'll see if that continues. On the flip side for Tennessee defensively, I think the challenge is there are two, there are a couple of receivers now. Coach Pruitt made it out that they had four or five receivers that were really good, but they've got two horses at the receiver position. How does how does Tennessee secondary? Line up and play against those guys. I mean, I think those guys are really good. But I mean, and uh, in, this is coach speak. But I mean, like two weeks ago, Jeremy said that any NFL team, or most NFL teams, would swap out what they had for Alabama's quarterback and receivers. And then two weeks later, he says UAB's as good as anybody we played. Yeah, that's coach speak. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, Judy's not running around. No. Smith's not running around. But, but they, I mean, these guys have, are good. They got two. I mean, I had. I mean, Jesse's got a great staff. Yeah, the, the only two. Oh, oh, UAB and Oklahoma are the only two teams in the country that has two guys with at least 20 catches and averaging over 20 yards of reception. I mean, 20 yards of reception for times 20. I mean, that's a, in you know, November. In November, yeah. I mean, you're this. This they are explosive guys. Um, the flip side is though, is that Tyler Johnson, their quarterback, will throw it to the other team. I mean, you had it in, in, the, in the round table. He had four interceptions in their lone loss, but he has 10 on the season. They, their backup quarterback's thrown one. 
as good as UAB has been, they have lived dangerously on the turnover margin. They lead Conference USA in giveaways. And so I think there's going to be some opportunities, especially for a Pruitt defense that seemed pretty salty about the fact, as well as they played shutting out Carolina a week ago in the second half, did not force a turnover. And it's a defense, Austin, that's finding finding some plays from some different guys. I mean, Kevon Bennett, I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean – Look, I understand that maybe South Carolina Helensky can't move around, this, that, or the other, but Kevon Bennett pressured the quarterback, created quarterback courage. DeAndre Johnson made a play. They're more worried about Bennett by the end than they were <laughs> Daryl Taylor. They've shifted their uh, protection towards him. Yeah, and so you're seeing some guys show up and, and make plays. This is becoming a complimentary defense. Yeah. Of, of, full of – look, they, they don't have four stars on defense, but they've got a collection of guys – who are steady, who are, who are making enough plays to, to create kind of a collection of guys, if yeah, you will. They're brother-in-law in it pretty well. Yeah, it's I good. I mean, you know, they're, you know they, one week it's this guy, the next week it's that guy. And, you know, you know, you've got Kenneth George coming out of nowhere to, to, to play meaningful snaps. You've got Jalen McCullough con- continuing to progress and, and playing. I do think Trayvon Flowers has a chance to, you know, get himself healthy and maybe, you know, play some ball at the back end of the schedule. Um, you know, I, I, it's it's a defense that, to me, I think it's as good a story as there is on this team because up front, I just didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. And, and these guys early in the year uh, showed that, but then since then have really kind of had things click for them. And, you know, just, as you said, good complimentary football. I mean, that you know, every week it's somebody different. You know, who will it be this Saturday? Yeah, it's, again, somebody seemingly different but they're getting steady play from some veterans that they need to get steady play from nigel warrior daniel patuli as we turn it to recruiting last thing here um biggest concern you have in this game for tennessee what, what's the big what's the biggest when you when you think about this game tomorrow what's the biggest concern you let them hang around to okay. me to me tennessee if tennessee steps on the gas early i don't think this game's you know to me it's at least a 17 point one for tennessee yeah, if tennessee I'm, steps I'm, on I'm, the gas I'm, early. I'm just I mean, if not, if they let them hang around, they can lose. I mean, because Tennessee could potentially be sloppy at quarterback. That's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, turn and, it over. Yeah, and, and UAB, I mean, again, I don't think they played anybody, but they do have a defense. I mean, they know, they know what they're doing, and as Jesse's pointing out, they can make, they can make some big plays. So just, I think it's just I think it's just the pass protection. I think Because, you know, a sack fumble, how does that – you know, Tennessee's given up some big plays, obviously, that, that – that Jeremy's been frustrated about early in games, but how how would they respond if if you know it's it's ten to seven and suddenly they give up a sack fumble? You know, I think pass protection is going to be key. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Let's flip it over to recruiting. Jay Hardy obviously going to do something November sixth. We talked about that on Monday. From a visitor standpoint, pretty low key this week, Austin. Yeah, I mean, I you know it, you know you. You, you've got Kyrie Miller coming in from the state of Texas. He, he wasn't able to make it in last weekend. Supposed to be here Saturday, um, you know. But on the whole, R.J. Adams, yeah, coming in officially. From, from a couple, couple of offensive linemen. Sounds like he's still a Penn State lean, even though he decommitted. He's been a backup there twice in the last uh, last month. Um, and then you got, and then I mean Desmond Tis. Desmond Tisdall, you know, is a, kind of a new name that Tennessee's gotten involved with. I think there's some questions about, you know, academics, but Auburn's in the mix. Uh, Penn State, South Florida. We appreciate the guy 
blowing the leaves on the other side of the glass. <laughs> I, mean, I guess we're drying the we're drying the concrete on the sidewalk. All I right. should say not South Forest, South Carolina. Yeah. Excuse me. So got distracted there. Easy to do. What, what what's what's key for Tennessee in in recruiting moving forward? I mean, you got Hardy waiting on Tyler Barron. I think the other question to me defensively, Jesse, we talked about this. Where are you at outside linebacker? It's a black hole. And what are you going to do at that other running back at a running back spot? Well, I mean, Aren't gonna, those the two biggest question marks as we yeah, move into November? Yeah, because I mean, like you know. You feel like that, you know, even if they don't get them all, they'll go get some semblance of big O.J. Hardy, Tyler Barron, uh, you know, Oxendine on the defensive front. Which you is need. fantastic, but not, not there's not a single one of those guys that's going to be standing up. Exactly. Um, I mean, that, that's a fantastic haul. I'm not, there's no, you can't downplay that. That is exactly what they need. I mean, I forget which poster it is. They deserve credit. Uh, somebody put out like the Tennessee's potential defensive line next season um, if they do land these recruits with everybody coming back. I mean, it is a it is a, an SEC looking haul, and it would be a deep room. But there will be the concern with Daryl Taylor, you know, exiting. Who the heck is going to be your stand up outside linebacker? Yeah, maybe they, maybe they, maybe Tyler Barron drops some weight, you know, and they stand him up. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean. The, the, you know, I know just, that's what he wants to do. I'm not. Just I don't. Not a list of candidates. Oh yeah. You I know, mean, it's not like with the loss of BJ. You know, you don't have a list of. Four and everybody or five says, guys. "What about Grimes?" I mean, I, you know, I, I, there's several posters on the board that are pretty smart that have pointed out that you know Grimes is kind of this weird, you know, weird prospect that like really, I mean, outside of South Carolina and maybe Vanderbilt, I mean, who's really like coveting Reggie? I mean, like it, it, I think it, everybody's at the same it, spot. It, Where does he play? How effective is he? Yeah, I mean, like I mean, this is a guy who, like you know, if you're the number one player in the state, you should be at no at, at bare minimum a semifinalist for Mr. Football in your classification. I'm not sure he is, and if he is, it's based off a of name only, you know, because he's not had a great year for Ravenwood. Um, you know, it, it, again, I just go back to it's just not likely that he ends up, you know, in this class. And so, what going back to your question, you know, the, the, I, you know, Tennessee, I think really like to say Quandre White. Can they get him here for a visit? You know, I mean, running back. You right. know, he likes South Carolina. You know, he hears from Arkansas, and I know everybody's thinking, wait a minute, you know, Tennessee just plastered South Carolina. I mean, kids don't I mean kids don't really go into one game and go, oh, well, that's where I'm going because Tennessee beat South Carolina. I'm gonna go Tennessee over South Carolina. Nobody thinks that way really. You know, they look at, you know, how can I get on the field? You know, and, and can you know. Can, can he get on the field here? You know, I mean, I think he probably can. But, I mean, like, you know, you do have some older guys in the room that have played a lot of football. It's not like you're graduating anybody in that room. And so that's what, like, the South Carolinas and the, and the you know, Arkansas are going to tell, you know, Zay Quandre or any, or any back. You know, hey, look, you know, they well, don't lose a soul. Yeah, right. we're losing Feaster and Dowdle. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, the ball's in your hands from, from day one. Uh, but Tennessee's got to find a running back. They need a second running back in this class. I think everybody would, will agree with that. When you look at priorities in November, outside linebacker, second running back, another receiver, are, are, are kind of areas where I think Tennessee is. And you got to close. I mean, with, you got to close with those defensive linemen you're talking about. Well, you and I've had this conversation. I, I would honestly give a, a really hard look at Elijah Young. And I don't even know if you could even get in there because you, <laughs> it wasn't really a factor before. I think he probably held some resentment there over that. But I mean, you know, six months ago, I would have told you you're crazy because he, at no point has he ever really dominated the high school game. This year, 
He's a totally different dude. Much I more mean, physical. He, he, but, I mean, like, he is just dominating every week and doing it with no quarterback. I mean, Brian got hurt in the, in, the, in the second game of the year. I mean, like, literally last week he ran the single wing and Knox Central, who's the defending 5A state champs, you know, knew he was getting the ball every play, and he still ran for 250 and five touchdowns. Yeah, it's not, and it's not just, he's not just sprinting to the corner. As no, I mean, he's, he's hitting he's it up break, in the hole. He's breaking some tackles, he's running. I mean, like, he, he is a different guy. So, I mean, I'm not saying Tennessee should definitely take him, but I would at least get, you know, review every tape, see if, you know. Do you think yeah. he's a running back? I, I think that that's think, the only way you could get him because that's what and I think Missouri's going to play him as, a, as, a, as an offensive weapon. Whether so then you think he's, you think he's like coming in taking snaps from Eric Gray next year? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it don't hurt to have as many playmakers as you can get. So, uh, yeah, I, if, if my point, though, is, is, like, why not kick the tires there a little bit, see if there's any kind of interest. You still want Zay over him. But, again, Zay not been here since Butch Jones was the coach when he was in – coming out of high school in Fort Myers, so. And there's not a lot of running backs on the board out there to look around at, and, and you probably feel like you, you certainly need a second one in this class. All right, let's flip it over to basketball. Got a chance to see this basketball team, Rob, on Wednesday night. Too many turnovers probably for Rick Barnes liking. Got a chance to see a bunch of young players. Got a chance to see a new look basketball team. What's your biggest takeaway from this team? I mean, I mean not a surprise. I mean, senior guards, thought, you know, Lamonte and Jordan, I mean, this is their team. Those two guys combined for 45 points and 12 assists between them. I mean, it, it's it, it's going to be about them this year. I mean, they're, they are very clearly, you know, the, the barometer for this team. I mean, those guys, I mean, I think those guys will play well, but, I mean, they're going to have to play well. My, my, probably my most – Surpri- surprising thing was was Fulkerson. I mean, he had a double double, and and not not just the numbers. I mean, he just looked different. I mean, he just looked more more confident, more decisive. And um, you know, I'm not saying Fulkie's going to average a double double every night. That's not going to happen. And, and they're going to obviously play a lot better competition. But he just he just seemed so much more confident. I mean, he was, wasn't on the floor. wasn't flop. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Get, you know, what I'm saying? and I'm not trying to make fun of it. No, I mean, not there at was all. a lot of you know uh, kind of we, flopping around. Like on when the he floor got the ball, he had a plan. Right. You know, he was. He was just, I mean, decisive. I mean, I, I keep coming back to that word. I mean, it was, and I mean, the, every coach I've talked to for going back to July has been telling me, man, Fulke is really playing well. He's turning the corner. And, you know, grain of salt, certainly, you know, to take that with a grain of salt after what we've seen. But he's he's better, and he's going to have to be. I mean, depending on, you know, this plastic thing that's just dragging out. Um, Rick told me last week that he, you know, he had, he expected to hear something by Wednesday, which you know that that deadline came and went, and we still don't know anything. Uh, is that a negative? Is that a positive? I mean, it's it's not a positive, but is, I mean, is that an indicator that that there's an issue? I don't know. I mean, just, you, you know as well as I, you never take anything for granted with the NCAA, and the longer this thing drags on, you've got to be skeptical. What what do you make of the freshman? I mean, I, you you know from from the first time I saw saw Josiah. You know, over a year ago in the summer, I, I just thought he was fantastic. I, I thought he was really good, especially when you consider that. I mean, he missed almost all of October with, while, while, you know, with the little groin injury. He came back to practice last week, I think on Thursday, so he's practiced like six days. And um, you know, he didn't shoot it great. He was over three three point range. He's not, that's not going to happen every time. He was five of seven inside the arc, had seven assists in just twenty three minutes, and, and should have had a couple more if. The, you know, guys would have been paying attention and knew that there was going to be a bullet whipped at their head. Um, Camwa 
really impressed with him. I mean, he's he's a guy that has. I mean, every, going back to last spring, the coaches were just kind of rubbing their hands, Mr. Burns style on the Simpsons about you know oh, we got to steal here, and I and I, I think that's going to turn out to be the case. Um, he he's going to. I always thought he was going to be an impact guy, just defensive and rebounding, but he can score for you. Last night, I, I, he he was able to put it on the floor, and make plays better than I thought. Um, Devontae Gaines flash, but I mean, he's going to be a real energy guy. I don't know how much he's going to play this year, but um, don't, he, he just played nine minutes last night. He's come back for a broken thumb, still wearing a brace on his on his hand. And, I, you know, some people just want to refuse to think that Drew Pimper is a good player. That kid's going to be good. I mean, he, he tweaked his ankle last night. I hope it's not bad. We don't know yet. But, um, you know, he did some nice things. He, he, mixed, he mixed it up with the paint. He got himself to the free throw line. He had two block shots. He guarded people on the perimeter. He's a six foot nine kid that has some skills. So, but out of the gate, I mean, Josiah's going to start. He didn't start last night. I mean, Jalen Johnson, I think, got the nod just because Josiah's missed some practice. Josiah's going to start, be one of the best players on the team. And, and, and Kamwa is going to play a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't take, if, if he and East Ponds don't see their roles flipped as the season goes on. Because he can do so much more offense. Yeah, so much more. And, 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 and that's not a knock on East. I mean, I think Eves is going to be really good on defense. I like the move of putting him down inside. He's six foot. I mean, they list him at six six. I think he's six five, but he's strong. Jump out of the gym. Uh, I mean, I think he's strong enough to where he's. I mean, he's not going to get bullied in the low post. And, and the way he jumps, that's going to offset some of the height mismatches he's going to see. So, I mean, defensively, I, I like. I mean, I, I think that's that's going to be fine. I don't think it's going to be a problem. But I just think, I mean, Camelot gives you so much more offensively. I, I want if he can, you know, get it together learn how to play how Rick wants him to play defensively especially I, I'll, I'll be surprised it might be a situation like like Eves was in last year where he, you know he started and, and you know didn't play that many minutes uh, I think that could be the case this year I'm not, I'm not saying it will be but I, I think you got a lot more upside with, with Cam Law than you do with Ponds. Basketball season underway official official start I guess the next week against UNC Asheville is that right? That is correct. Uh, with, Tuesday night. Season open. We'll see I guess if there's a negative tendency, didn't shoot the ball well in the second half from the perimeter, you know. But you're limiting up, you know, some with Jordan and and, and Lamonte. How much they're out there? That's the one concern. How many nights can they survive if they don't shoot the ball well from the perimeter? No, no, they're going to have to shoot great from the perimeter. I think most nights because I mean, you know, Fulgers is not going to give you a double double right every night. But but also, I, mean, I think one of the one of the you know kind of not much talked about things is. Because Josiah's been out, and even when he is has been at practice, the way you know they have to balance out. You know, if you just don't want it to be a mismatch, you go five on five. You know, Rick mixes things up. That's probably that's the most that he's played with Lamonte and Jordan since he's been here. And I mean, I, I think you'll see that get a lot better. I mean, I I, I think those three are are going to be a lot of fun to watch together. Should be uh, fascinating to watch the development of this basketball team. And again, they kick off the regular season next week against UNC Asheville. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and the outside leaf blower, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Friday, everybody.